Good morning. I'm Thad Lanthrop, the executive pastor here at CIV, and I'm glad you can join us as we finish up our message series that we, we called Stacking Good Days. Today we are looking at pursuing peace, and that's really an interesting topic for the time that we're in in, our, in America right now because the riots that have gone on since the George Floyd killing are anything but peace. And we have these images of the riots going through our heads. And we have images of Seattle and this section of Seattle that was overtaken by protesters. And then we have news reports, and we don't know what to believe because we get news reports like this one. I, I, I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is a, mostly a protest. Uh, it, is not, uh, it is not, generally speaking, unruly. But fires have been started, and, and there's a crowd. If you're going to be that bold to lie and say that it's a mostly peaceful protest with a fire raging behind you, then what else are... The, is the media going to be lying to us about? And all of this is just unsettling. And it's hard to watch. And it's hard to see how, how can we find peace in the middle of all of this unrest? Well, as you dig into the Bible, we actually see that the unrest and the cultural climate that we're in right now, it's a lot like what the early Christians were dealing with. Jesus Christ was sent to the cross by an angry mob who they were upset because he claimed that he was the Messiah. He was God's son and the savior of the world and the world rejected him and sent him to the cross, which was all part of God's plan for saving us. But that's the climate that the early Christians were in. And we see this in Acts 17.6 where it says, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And so we see this climate of Christians weren't looked at favorably. And we see this attitude in 64 AD. Rome was set on fire and it burned for six days. And the emperor Nero spread a false rumor that it was the Christians that started this fire. And this created decades of hostility and persecution of Christ followers. So the unrest that we're experiencing right now, it's, it's, a, it's different in the kind that it is. It's not persecution of Christians per se, but the, the climate is very similar to what early Christ followers were going through. And Peter, who was one of the 12 disciples of Christ who followed Christ around and went traveling with him, doing ministry, helping people come to know Jesus. He wrote a book in the New Testament called First Peter. And the purpose of this book was to encourage the people that were in the area where Emperor Nero had spread this lie. He wanted to encourage them and help them to continue to live lives on purpose, to continue to live, to stay strong in their faith to Christ. And look at these ingredients that he has that show us how to have relational peace, regardless of any situation. So helpful for us right now. First Peter 3, 8 through 11 says, Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate. 
and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. And look what happens in verses 10 through 11. Peter quotes Psalm 34, 11 through 14, which has been the key verse that we've used for the Stacking Good Days message series. Look what he says. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. Now, when Peter says all of you at the beginning of this passage of Scripture, it's a loaded statement with a lot of meaning behind it. All of you means people who have decided to turn from living life their own way to follow Christ. He's addressing Christ's followers here. And so Christ's followers, they have a set of beliefs that they share that are in common with each other. And they're committed to living life God's way, not their own way. And then he also, what he's addressing here is image bearers of God. God made man in his own image. Every color, shade, every culture, every people group, God created it it all. And that is where our value comes as people. Our value comes from the fact that God created us. Fortunately, it doesn't come from ourselves because we're all broken. We've all chosen to do life our own way, and we can make a mess of life on our own. And so all of you, the, the full picture of just those three words is that we're, he's addressing image bearers of God who have chosen to follow Christ. They've chosen to turn from their sins and to have committed to living life God's way. That's really helpful to understand who this is addressed to as we look at the details of what he's talking about here. And he says, to live in harmony with one another by being sympathetic. Sympathetic in this instance, it's really this idea of suffering with someone. It's you're, you're feeling the same way as someone. You're putting yourself in their shoes and, and you're trying to understand life from their angle. And then he says to live in harmony by loving as brothers. Brothers are really an interesting thing to watch. I, I didn't grow up with a brother. I had a sister, and um, but I have three boys now. And so I've been watching this brother dynamic, and it's, it's pretty fascinating how, pe- how brothers love each other. I mean, they can be pounding each other one minute. I mean, literally pounding each other in, in a disagreement about something. And then the next minute, it's like it never happened. There, there's this bond that brothers have. There's this fondness that brothers have for each other. And that's the idea that we get here. Not the bad parts of fighting like brothers, but the fondness that we get from, um, from the brotherly love. We can treat our relationships like they're disposable, especially right now in our country. Family relationships, friends, Coworker relationships, they're being broken because someone might support Joe Biden as a candidate or they might support Trump or someone supports Black Lives Matter, the organization, or somebody doesn't support Black Lives Matter, the organization. Now, the Bible does not say support Trump 
or support Joe Biden by name. It doesn't say that. But there's a ton of guidance that the Bible can give us on these issues. So I'm not saying these aren't important issues. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is don't let your opinions or your beliefs on something divide your relationships. The Bible is telling us love as brothers. Have this fondness towards each other. Hear why they believe what they believe. Have a dialogue about it. Ask them, what do you think the Bible has to say on this topic or issue? This is huge. To have this commitment to staying in relationship when we find out that people don't believe what we believe. God doesn't want us to just move on from relationship to relationship when people don't believe the same things as we do. He wants us to continue on loving each other in the relationship, in the disagreement that brothers and sisters in Christ might have, helping each other towards the truth of the Bible. That's what he wants us to do. So this loving as brothers is huge in keeping harmony in relationships and not just moving on to the next one. And then we need to be compassionate with each other. This is the idea of tender-hearted towards one another, to, to be soft-hearted. You know, be hard-hearted, it's to be calloused. You, you think everything that somebody does, you just think the worst about them and what they're doing. Being soft-hearted, you think the best about what they're doing. And then we need to be humble. Being humble is this idea of having a modest self-opinion of ourselves. Not putting ourselves down, is that's not what it's talking about, but having a modest self-opinion of ourselves. We have a tremendous amount of self-worth because God made us in his image. But we need to have an accurate assessment of ourselves as well. And that is that God is the one who saved us from our sins. It wasn't what anything we did. He is the one that saved us from our sins. And so we need to choose this humility in relationships with people, preferring their interests above our own and valuing them, their desires, their interests over our own. This attitude, coupled with being sympathetic and loving as brothers and being compassionate helps us to live in harmony with one another. And then Peter takes it to the next level and he says, live in harmony by repaying evil with blessing. It sounds so backwards from our normal response to when evil happens to us. But think about this. This is what God has done to, for us. We all rebelled against God. We chose to go our own way, to live life apart from him. We did evil against God in this way, but he continued to pursue us. He pursued us to the point where he sent his son Jesus Christ down on the cross, and he died on the cross for our sins. He, took, he repaid the evil that we did with the ultimate blessing where we can spend eternity with God in heaven. Because of what he has done. Imagine peaceful relationships like this. Where we're loving as brothers. We're being sympathetic. We're being compassionate. We're being humble with each other. Choosing to prefer others instead of just trying to get our way all the time. 
it would be amazing if all our relationships were like this. But as you can see, this doesn't just happen. Peace in relationships or peace in our personal lives and internally, it doesn't just happen. And good days come as we pursue peace. Let's take a look back at Psalm 34 that we've been looking at as our guide verse uh, for this series. And look, let's look again at what it says. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The Old Testament portion of the Bible was originally written in Hebrew, and the word for peace is shalom. It's this idea of peace and completeness, welfare, health. It's this sense of well-being, this harmonious state of the mind and the soul, and it almost seems passive. Like peace is, is just this passive thing where we, we feel good, we feel like things are going well. But look at the words that are paired with peace here. Seek peace. It, it's, it's this, we have to go find peace. And then it says, and pursue it. And the word that's used for pursue here in the Hebrew was used in other parts in the Bible and it was typical of the time. The word was to, it was like, pursuing your enemy to overtake them. So it's this idea here, you got peace, this harmonious state of mind, and you're feeling good, but you got to go after it. You have to seek peace and pursue it. You have to go after it like you would go after an enemy to try to overtake them, because if you don't, they're going to they're gonna come after you. That's the idea that we are getting from this. I, the picture that came to mind for me was this, this uh, football clip. Take a look at this guy towards the middle of the screen by the yellow line. Watch him pursue his enemy and overtake him. Woo! Go get him! That's what I'm talking about. You can tell I'm missing sports. But that gives us the picture of what it's like to pursue peace. He came up fast and hunted that guy down and took him down. And that's the picture that we get for pursuing peace. It's Peace is not a byproduct of our circumstances. Peace is a byproduct of us pursuing God in faith. And peace comes from us continually turning to God with situations. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wouldn't that be amazing if we just didn't, we weren't anxious about anything? That would be awesome. Well, we're going to get worried about things, but worry should be like an indicator light on our dashboard. This week, I or last week and into this week, I had the tire pressure sensor dashboard light that come on in my car, and I looked around and the tires looked fine to me, and so I just kept driving. I thought, oh, it'll it'll be fine. Well, on Tuesday, I went out to my car and the back tire was was flat, so I had to change it and put the spare on. It would have been a lot easier to just drive it in when the light came on to do that. But worry 
it, it's to be like a dashboard light indicator that we take seriously. When it comes up, we need to turn to God, asking for his help. Turn to him. Ask him to give us the faith for the situation that we're taking. When we respond to the worry indicator light, turning to God and trusting in him, it keeps us from spiraling down into anxiety about something where we worry and worry and worry and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. But when we respond to that worry indicator and choose to trust God, he will give us peace that surpasses all understanding. The idea here that we get for understanding, it's it's this knowing, it's this knowledge idea. It's we, we know the facts of the situation that we're facing. Um, we also know how we, we feel about the situation. We have a we perceive what's going on and what is going to happen in the future. So it's this understanding. We see the situations that we, we're facing. We see what's in front of us and a lot of times it looks bleak. It doesn't look like it's going to turn out the way that we want it to turn out. And so this peace that surpasses our understanding is really helpful for us. And God will grant that to us as we turn to him and ask him for help. Do you have any situations like that in your life right now where you're looking at the situation and it looks bleak. You don't know how it's going to be used for good. You don't know how it's going to turn out well. Is there a way that you need to turn to God right now? I asked Brad Rosman to share a time, uh, share a, a story with us about a time where their knowledge of the situation, their understanding, it, it didn't look good. And it didn't look like it was going to turn out well or the way that they wanted to. And so I wanted you to listen to this story to see how God met them right where they were at. Hey, everyone. I want to share about a time when God's peace that transcends all understanding became very real to my wife, Lindsay, and me. Thirteen days before our third child, Luke, was born, we got a diagnosis that he had a very life-threatening birth defect and that his specific case was labeled severe. We were told he likely wouldn't survive. It was one of those instant life-changing moments. And to spare you any suspense, if you don't know Luke's story, uh, he is now a healthy, thriving, active, joyful one-and-a-half-year-old. The Lord spared his life through two successful surgeries and miraculous healing that took place in his body. In America, we often think the definition of peace is the absence of trouble in our lives. We are either in a state of trouble or we're in a state of peace. But in John chapter 14, Jesus told his disciples, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. And he wasn't promising them a life without trouble. So if not, what was he promising? When Luke was born, he was immediately surrounded by so many doctors, I couldn't even see him. I was standing there powerless and helpless. If the absence of trouble is what peace is, then I had no peace because I was drowning in trouble. And yet in that moment standing there, I did have peace. How? A close friend and mentor told us a week before Luke was born that the real definition of peace is trusting that God is who he says he is and who he has always been. It's a belief or a choice, not a feeling. God will be no different in this situation than he's been at any other point in history. And no matter the outcome of our circumstance, God is the same. 
And believing this gives us peace that he is in control, especially since we have no control at all. Our mentor also told us that the way to act on God's peace is doing the next right thing. And that doing the next right thing always requires a faith step, and that always requires endurance to keep doing it. The way we applied this to our circumstance and received God's peace was to turn Luke's life over to God. We prayed on the way to the hospital and committed to love, follow, and trust God no matter what happened. And this wasn't a one-time thing. We had to recommit to it daily. Did the fear go away immediately each time we did it? No, we were still scared, but we weren't consumed by the fear. We were able to be above it. It really is a peace that surpasses all understanding because you can't even really explain it. It helped us be calm in decision moments and in traumatic moments, and it helped us endure through the process. And throughout the process, God was also faithful as we took these faith steps to give us displays and reminders of his control and his love. And I could give a thousand testimonies of all the things that he did. In the end, we grew and were strengthened in our faith for the next storms that come. In Luke 21, 19, Jesus said, by your endurance, you will gain your lives. And looking back, if the circumstances had gone differently or even horribly, I have no doubt that God would have been faithful to teach us different things and grow us in different ways. He has built a track record of faithfulness so that we can trust him when the next trouble comes along, and it will. Elizabeth Elliot sums up best how we experienced peace. She says, the secret is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. Thank you for letting me share this, and we will always be grateful to our church family for your prayers and support as we went through this. God is faithful, and he will be right there with you like he was for the Rosmans as you turn to him and trust in him with the situations that you're facing. Peace doesn't happen by mistake. It comes by turning to God in faith. And good days don't happen by mistake. As we've looked at in this series, they come as we choose to fear God, take him seriously enough to live life his way. Good days come as we use our words to benefit those around us and build them up rather than tear them down. Good days come as we look around and see needs around us and find ways to do good to meet those needs. And good days come as we live in harmony with each other and turn to God with whatever situation we're worried about or whatever's going on and trust in him in faith. I want to encourage you to take a next step in um, response to the message today. One of those next steps might just be that you want to turn to God and ask for his help with fill in the blank. Whatever situation you're facing right now, turn to God. Ask him for help. Use that worry as an indicator light that I need to do something. I need to talk to God about this and what's going on. Another next step is that you might want to be sympathetic or compassionate or love his brothers or be humble. Is there one of those areas where you want to take a step in your relationships this week that you want to work on really being sympathetic and feeling what the other person is feeling or being compassionate or or choosing to stick in relationships and love his brothers instead of just moving on to the next one? And then another next step that you might want to take in response to the message is to read First Peter. Uh, there's five chapters in First Peter, and it is just packed with helpful insight 
as to the, into the situation that they were facing at the time that really can help guide us today to continue to pursue God, continue to pursue peace, continue to live life in a way that is going to help us to stack good days. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for your help and your guidance in the Bible and how you, you love us, how you want us to have peace in the middle of any situation that we're facing. I ask, Lord, that you would help us to have peace. Help us to turn to you in faith and and just experience the peace that surpasses all understanding that you that you talk about in Philippians 4. We ask for your help, Lord. Help us to pursue good days this week. Help us to pursue peace in our relationships and um, with you in our lives. And we just ask for your help in this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.